Hello and welcome to Whitlet, the funny books podcast, where authors, comedians and publishing people recommend their favourite witty literature. I'm your host, Lily Linden. Uh, I'm an editor at Penguin Random House in the Vintage team. And um, I've also written a funny book, haven't I? Uh, <laughs> it's called Double Booked. It's, um, it's a fun twist on a rom-com. And it's publishing in 2022, so you don't have to worry about it yet. But please, for God's sake, buy it then. Um, in the meantime, you're here for a podcast interview, aren't you? So in today's episode, I'm very happy to be joined by the very lovely, very smart Amy Baxter. She is the founder and editor of Bad Form, which is an online and print literary review by and about black, Asian and racialized community writers. Amy is also an editorial assistant um, at Penguin Random House in the Michael Joseph team. And we spoke over Zoom in an afternoon in April about her top three funny book recommendations. Uh, We talked about how uh, in this sort of strange moment uh, where we're between lockdown and starting to see people again, uh, funny books can sort of bridge that gap into socialising and sort of provide a safe, giggly conversation to sort of train you to talk to people again. Um, hope you enjoy listening. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, tell us about yourself. Who are you? I am Amy, um, as you've just established. <laughs> My name is Amy Baxter. I am the founder and editor-in-chief of Bad Form, which is a print and digital literary review uh, by and for and about Black, Asian and racialized community authors and writers and people um and by day I am an editorial assistant at Penguin Michael Joseph <laughs> goes, oh my god she's the coolest person that I've ever heard um <laughs> do you find that there's any like useful cross-pollination between what you do or do you feel like you're just like oh my god all of these things take up 100% of my time how am I meant to do this No, I mean, Bad Form was definitely started as sort of a side project. Mm. I was really lucky and I got onto editorial traineeship at Penguin um, called The Scheme, which is a very dramatic name for what is essentially like a six month internship. And I didn't have any publishing experience. And when I was trying to research my application for it, I was like, well, it'd be cool to reference like some Asian authors because I'm half Indian, like maybe I could reference that. And I just couldn't find anywhere that would recommend me books like by Asian people and I didn't know that many myself I don't even have an English degree or an English A-level so really the worst publisher ever I will be um so you know bad form was an attempt to sort of establish that space and I learned so much about books and the publication process and you do I mean as you'll know as an editor um you do learn so much about what books are out there in your day job um in publishing um so I feel like that's definitely informed my time at Bad Form um, but also my reading more generally to be honest I feel like my world of books has expanded dramatically mm. uh, since I started working in publishing and that's been great. Oh god this is this is exactly the kind of question I hate being asked so forgive me but um, <laughs> do, you, do you have any particular sort of um, for people who are listening to this who um, who maybe uh, are interested in publishing or maybe want mm. to do it um, are there any sort of um, indicative moments that you think you've particularly enjoyed or like found particularly surprising maybe about your job that you think um, feels like it almost sums up being an editor for you? 
<laughs> yeah I mean I'm not yet an editor definitely very much an assistant who sometimes oh. help out with the editorial stuff which is great I'm learning a lot um but I think for me it was the first time that um my boss Joel who is a publisher at Michael Joseph he's great publishes a lot of crime novels um so he gets a lot of submissions in agents and normally when publishers buy things they buy from agents um so I was reading helping him read some of the submissions because he gets a lot in um and I said to him I don't really like this for this, this and this reason. And he goes, cool, I'll turn it down then. And I was like, wow, that's power. <laughs> that is real power. Um, and I was just so chuffed that, you know, my reasoning, which was, and I don't want to gatekeep what books are, <laughs> but I really enjoy <laughs> the process of being like, this is a good book or I can see the potential in this. And like, I think that's really exciting. And I think that a lot more people can do that. I think some people get really nervous. Like I definitely did. Um, I didn't know anyone in publishing. Um, so before I entered the traineeship, I was really worried, like, do I have the skills? I don't have an English degree. Um, I don't know what onomatopoeia is. Like, I don't know whether I'd be able to, whether I'd be able to do this job. Um, but it turns out your gut instinct, if you like reading and you like books, you know a lot more than you think you do. Um, so that was the really the moment and I guess that's sort of a tip I'd give to anyone who's considering applying but mm -hmm. like if that's something you'd be interested in doing this is a good job for you I'd say yeah 100 it's such a shame I think that um, books being this some kind of strange cultural uh, elitism within sort of who's allowed to enjoy reading and like certain mm. genres only being allowed for certain things and there's a yeah. like a class thing there as well but um I think it's such a shame that people sometimes think oh I, I can't work in publishing unless I've got like some kind of fancy English literature degree. When yeah. in fact, I would say if anything, that stuff gets in the way of publishing. As soon as you're in publishing, you have to try and like unlearn that if you've got it. And <laughs> yeah. such, um, you know, instinct and just like being able to articulate what it is that works and doesn't work about something you're reading, trying mm. to think where does this fit into a market, trying to think like, who's this reaching audiences, you know, it's so interesting how that stuff gets reframed when you're actually on the other side of things. Yeah. And people still, even more so maybe because I work in the classics, there's even more of a sense of like, oh my God, you're literally the, the GCSE syllabus I dreaded. You are <laughs> in, in human form and um, maybe I am. But um, yeah, I, I really hope that, yeah, I agree with you. I really hope that people take that. Of, if you're a good reader, if you're the kind of person who wants to talk to people about books, and you can mm. talk to people about books, then you'll be a very good person in publishing. Yeah, um, yes. totally agree. So nice. Totally agree. Shall we, shall we get straight to it? Yes. I, I, I asked uh, Amy to do a little bit of homework for this. Uh, I asked if she would recommend to me and to you, lucky you, um, three funny books, um, funny in whatever way, mm. uh, that, that you'd recommend. So what's, what's your number one? My number one, well, I will preface this by, you know, I do spend a lot of my time like promoting Black, Asian and racialized community authors and came to the rather depressing conclusion that the funny book I read tend to be written by like middle-aged white women. Um, I don't know what that says about me in my reading habits, but we're going to go with it. And I think the funniest book I have read in the past year is It's Everyone Hanging Out Without Me by Mindy Kaling. So if you don't know, Mindy Kaling is an actress, a writer, um, you may know her from The Office, uh, where she was acting and writing, and I think producing at some point. Mm. Um, and I just think she is one of the funniest people. And I think that transfers so well, so well um, into writing. Is everyone hanging out 
without me and other concerns I think firstly is a brilliant <laughs> title for a book and I essentially picked this book up because I'd finished the office and I was like I'm I'm bereft what do I do now <laughs> um and I hadn't realized that she'd not written only one book but she's written like a whole series for Amazon um but I think this was her first one and it like the other books I'm going to recommend is sort of uh, autobiography and essays that's how I quite like reading my funny mm. stuff I like mm. succinct bits I have a short attention span um, <laughs> and I just remember reading this bit in the introduction um, which is done in a Q&A style and the last question is what else should I know about this book before I read it and it says number one there is no sunrise so beautiful that it is worth waking me up to see it and then she says, well, I think I've covered everything and I've still maintained an air of sexy mystery about myself. I feel good about this. That is the introduction <laughs> to the book. And I was like, hilarious. And I appreciate this is not everyone's cup of tea, but I love a bit of American comedy. I love a bit of that sort of awful humour. Um, and it continues on. I just think it's a brilliant autobiographical series of essays, funny collection thing. And I would very much like everyone to read it. Mm. That's my first mm. sell. So when you say sort of autobiography, does it does it almost go through her life from childhood through to now? Or is it more kind of a theme essay on like, here's a topic, almost like a column, like here's my slant on this? It definitely reads more like a column. Um, and yeah. I think, and it goes, again, each column like refers to bits of her life. Um, and I think for me, it was sort of the first time reading a book like this where someone was Indian. Um, yeah. And even though we had like a very different upbringing, I'm half Indian, she's fully Indian, she's also American, which I feel like is quite different growing up in sort of mm. the suburbs of London, mm. um, HA6, um, <laughs> it, was, it was a really exciting for me to be reading this and be going, yeah, me too, totally the same. Um, and that's, that's pretty rare. And it's, it's really funny the way she describes it. And it's yeah. not condescending to being Indian. It's not patronizing or making fun of Indian people it's making mm -hmm. fun of her upbringing as any other comedian would do about their own upbringing in yeah. the context of the column um, yeah. I think it's really brilliantly done um, and it's one of those books I actually like snorted out loud reading <laughs> um, and it's not this one but another one in her series which is called Please Like Me um, mm -hmm. where, where she describes um, being a chubby child and her Indian parents absolutely nothing wrong with that because why on earth would you want anything but a chubby child when you've grown up without much you want a chubby kid right yeah um, and I just like god like that's my mum my grandma all over um so it was like both hilarious and incredibly touching so I just whenever I read this book or one of her other ones I'm just left with this sort of like glow of contentment and happiness mm. um, and I'd love other people to receive that and feel it too even if they can't directly relate to like an Indian upbringing uh, which I appreciate a lot of people yeah. won't <laughs> I think I saw her like teen um Netflix show was it called something like never have I ever something like yes I I <laughs> I started it um there was honestly like again such an honest depiction of what it's yeah. like being like a brown teenager again very Americanized like it's an yeah. American sitcom so funny I mean I'll admit like lots of problematic stuff about like casteism and Indian politics um so would definitely flag that for anyone watching mm -hmm. it it's definitely like a lot of stuff to be taken with a pinch of salt yeah um but definitely like a really accurate portrayal of like going to like religious festivals or celebrations and all the aunties being there like overbearing grandmas overbearing mothers um it's just a really great and very rare portrayal of sort of being a 
pubescent teen um and indian um and i think again it's really written and you can definitely tell it's been written by her so mm-hmm. it's very much if you like her tv you'll like her books if you don't like her tv probably not one for you I don't yeah. <laughs> maybe ignore this recommendation uh, yeah amazing thank you so much numero deux numero deux well i'd say numero deux and numero <laughs> you can tell I took this like a German, can't you? God. Um, never a language student, me. Um, these two are very closely linked because I discovered this book through the infamous High Low podcast by one Dolly Alderton and Pandora Sykes. It's quite small in India. I don't know if you've heard never, of it. Never heard of it. Uh, no, no. Cult, kind of. Quite cult, yeah. Very, very unique. Me listening to it. Um, as a commuter, I was a big fan of listening to it on my commutes into town for my job. Um, so the first book um, is Nora Ephron's um, I Feel Bound About My Neck, which was prefaced or prefaced? Prefaced or prefaced? I don't actually know. I feel like pre- prefaced, prefaced cool. is what I feel like I've heard. But yeah, sorry, I- everyone could be wrong. So. <laughs> everyone could be wrong. I just had a real moment. I didn't know how to say it. It was um, prefaced. I feel like would be like before you've put makeup on. <laughs> Me in the morning, I am prefaced. Nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and it's a prefaced or prefaced by Dolly Alderton. Um, and that's really why I picked it up because she speaks all the time about this collection of essays. And mm. I was like, oh, I better read it. She's been going on and on and on about it. I'm sure it, you know, I'm sure it's good. But it was great. Um, mm. This was written by Nora Ephron. Nora Ephron was a film writer for films like Sleepless in Seattle, When Harry Met Sally, all the classics were written by her. Um, she has a real love of film, um, but she's also a really brilliant writer, as Dolly told me, and how I can now <laughs> confirm. I Feel Bad About My Neck is the title of one of the essays um, in the collection. She wrote this when she was in her mid-60s. Uh, it's really about being a woman and what being a woman is and what ageing is. And I found it really weirdly reassuring in a time of, you know, the pancetta, he who shall not be named. Um <laughs> It was, you know, it was really normal reading someone moan about their neck and the mm. pointlessness of handbags and things like that. I found it very funny and calming and reassuring and just nice. Um, and all the essays are pretty short, so it's a pretty easy read. You can sort of read it in snippets. And there's this bit in um, one of the one of the essays called The Story of My Life in 3,500 Words or Less. She explains, uh, when you slip on a banana peel, people laugh at you. But when you tell people you slip on a banana peel, it's your laugh. And I think that's a really nice way to think about her writing. Like she is telling like embarrassing stories, but it's her who's offering them to you. Um, and you really feel like you get to know Nora as the person and Dolly and her like, preface preface um is very <laughs> honest about how you feel like once you've read this you feel like you've had a conversation with Nora mm-hmm. um so it was yeah incredibly like human comedy like I really really felt wholesome and nice you can tell I've got a type when it comes to comedy books a really lovely read and I think anyone looking for like <laughs> anyone looking for a pick-me-up like this mm. is this is the book for you mm. um so that is my sell on I feel bad about my neck I do yeah. like reading this and I completely agree that there's something really I don't know if they were literally columns, but there's something really appealing about sort of being able to pick it up and read one and it's on the topic of X. And you're like, yeah. here we go, here we go. The definitive person saying something funny about handbags, here it is. Yeah. When I was reading it, I found it very funny, but I also couldn't really relate to it. And I, I was trying to work out why that was. Mm-hmm. And I, I think 
a part of it is sort of the slightly different time period just like mm. I guess social media just being this thing that kind of wasn't on the horizon and I yeah. think if you were to read if Nora Ephron were to be writing that book now it, it would it would be full of so many different things you know it was quite reassuring in a way to be reading this thing where so many of the anxieties are the same, but they've now manifested themselves in different ways. Such different ways. Sort of nice, but also a bit depressing to feel like, oh my God, we have not moved forward at all. <laughs> but I also think there was an element of, uh, yes, certainly sort of not being the same age as she was writing at the time. And I feel mm. like it might be one of those books where actually when when we're a bit older sort of picking it back up again will you'll find different bits that are like oh god this is a hundred percent now me yeah but I also think I thought it was interesting that I felt like I almost didn't connect to it partly because um I don't think I'm a very good like woman in in as much as I don't feel like I do the stuff that Nora I think skewers so well and sends mm -hmm. up so well is like beauty regimes and fashion yeah and um I loved reading about them and it if anything <laughs> made me feel like oh I'm I'm really glad that I I don't have to like it was almost seeing how the other half live do you know what I mean yeah the routines of like shaving these columns where she was being like isn't it awful gals and I was sort of reading it being like, ah, oh, so, sorry. I feel like yeah. I, I sort of felt like I'd left, let the side down by like not, not, I felt like I, I'd sort of been like, oh, <laughs> no. I, like, it could, this could be you, Nora, if, if you <laughs> in this and you, you sort of felt like there were more choices about sort of being taken seriously, even if you had hairy legs. And yeah, um, yeah I think, I think that was, uh, there, there were sort of these, these blocks for me, which didn't stop me from finding it funny you'll take different things from it right so like mm. people who go through those tortures or pleasures themselves mm. um will sort of really uh relate to it but I think that there's also just a really great um sense of sort of understanding and empathy of actually being like uh these things that so many people take for granted in like what a woman is and what a woman does it sounds really condescending and patronizing but it really felt to me like very like Sometimes like entry level feminism if that makes yeah. sense like it was very much like shaving your legs sucks actually your neck will wrinkle and there's nothing you can do about it handbags are stupid like all of this stuff which is so like I feel like we're so conditioned but I guess like social media wise we have such in-depth conversations and understanding of intersectional feminism and like what yeah. it is to be a woman and like what performative femininity is <laughs> and like to be for it to be like taken back to being like putting on all that makeup is stupid and it gives you spots like <laughs> It was just really like I really read it and I was like yeah it does <laughs> like I really feel like I spend so much of my time like thinking and being reminded of like all the awful stuff in the world and I think you're so right it's this like very basic routines that people like put themselves through it was just like a really nice reminder I think especially in lockdown when I haven't been doing it like, and I haven't been and I think you know the you know the pancetta has changed me in that way like I used to wear makeup every day like I would really be one of the people who stuck to it and I'm so different now and like even like even mm -hmm. now if you're looking at me I'm not wearing a stitch of it and wouldn't have dreamed of that a year ago and and reading this was such like an affirmative like yeah like everyone wanted that everyone wanted that and you finally get to do it now so it's very like yeah basic Caitlin Moran um <laughs> like early level stuff you know like that like um it is it is just nice and there's nothing bad about it if that makes sense you don't read yeah. it and feel like the world is doomed it's just like this sucks 
yeah and it's quite funny yeah 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 <laughs> um, it's really interesting that she's sort of coming at it from this perspective of, of being this oh, I mean not older but you know to mm. her mind she she's sort of thinking about aging and as someone reading it now it almost feels more like like teen somehow like what I mm. felt like as a teen like that definitely almost sort of um grappling with like these these yeah these sort of con contortions and being like oh I'm so annoyed because my lip gloss is annoying me yeah yes my lip gloss is annoying me it's annoying <laughs> it sucks I hate it yeah <laughs> And like, that's really interesting. Like, and again, that's, you know, what you were saying about the Dolly Alderton, like being in conversation mm. with it. And I know a lot of people like didn't really enjoy the Dolly Alderton or thought it was overhyped or whatever. But I think it was great because it does exactly what you want it to yeah. in a book. Like it's that same kind of like, bringing you back to like you being 17, your feelings are so intense about everything. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, like you're not really, and again, this comes from like a very privileged place of like, I didn't have that much to worry about when I was 17. So like fully acknowledging that. Um, <laughs> but yeah like that just like everything sucks and these are my emotions and like boys and do I like girls and stuff like that like it's all very basic and fun and, and emotional um yeah. and I can yeah I can definitely see how one has influenced the other um quite deeply and I actually yeah I think you could have told me that Nora had written everything I know about love like as like yeah. in the mid 20s yeah. and I'd be like yeah 100% believe you yeah <laughs> I think yeah. they're very similar in that way yeah yeah as um a if you enjoyed if you enjoyed that um <laughs> have you read Nora Ephron's Heartburn? I have not. That's the smaller one, isn't it? Like it really, really slim. Yeah, um, it's a novel rather than um essays, mm. and it's so good. Yeah, and that is one that I think has not aged in any way. Like really, I re I I would highly recommend that one. It's in a way, it's really similar because it has this really just, you know, empathetic and astute kind of voice. You really feel like you're there rooting for her. Um, mm. But in another way, I think it's completely different because it's much more embittered. So it's kind of, yeah. um, from what I remember, it is a married woman who's, whose husband um, cheats on her and leaves her. And mm. it is about her sort of, uh, navigating her feelings of sort of revenge, jealousy, frustration, like Dream. freedom, resentment, uh, like all of that stuff and sort of navigating her sense of self now that she doesn't have this partner. And mm. um, it's slim and just, and it's full of food. And um, there are these mm. recipes. I think that the, I think that the main character is maybe a, a, a chef or she's, she kind of writes. Yeah recipes and they're embedded within the story like there's this very important recipe I think for something like glazed chicken that becomes this like symbol of the book but there's also literally a really good recipe in there kind of thing <laughs> and um it's really really brilliant so I think uh if yeah either if, if you're a Dolly Alderton fan I think go for I feel bad about my neck because mm. that feels like a really fun introduction but heartburn is one of those novels that I just I really think anyone could pick it up and really enjoy it 
that was a brilliant sell. I'm definitely going to pick that up after this. I, that sounds fantastic. No, it's really, really one of those ones that, as, as bad as my synopsis was just then, it's a reading experience. Someone recommended it to me, and I sort of picked it up on a bit of a whim, partly because yeah. I'm so thin. Really. I love it when that happens. You yeah. know, you get to pick up a book, and you're like so <laughs> absorbed and interested and happy reading it. Oh, I feel like yeah. I haven't had that in a while. I'm going to try it. I'm so excited. Try it with heartburn. Ah. Try it with heartburn. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we've already we've already foreshadowed what your third one is, but do you want yes. to say it officially? <laughs> officially, my third choice is Everything I Know About Love by Dolly Alderton. And I, like many young women, read this when I was going through a breakup. Um, I was handed a battered copy oh. from a friend who had been handed it by a friend. And I ended up giving my copy to a friend, so I bought another one. It was definitely one of those books when I was like 21, was really handed around with like, you should read this and it will make you feel better um and it is the sort of autobiographical story of um Dolly Alderton and and her life um through love and breakup and relationships friendships it it, to me reminds me of of I guess what seven 16 17 year old Amy thought her 20s would be like (laughs) it is everything you know it is everything that you'd want to be like pretty blonde girl cool you know takes you know long trips in a taxi without realizing where she's going she's drinking yes. she's got friends she's the single cool one she writes for tv it is so escapist to me in that way because she's so different to me and and, and what I'm like and how I've existed but at the same time um I actually grew up in like the same area of like northwest London suburbia that she did um so they like for me they were like very mm-hmm very specific examples of for example being in Stanmore Pizza Express with a boy for the first time like it's a very unique (laughs) experience that both Dolly and I share um so reading it was like oh my god um but again it's a really easy read and it's really funny it's just like your mate giving you a chat um and I really feel like at a time such as this um that's the kind of comedy as you can see from across all three books that, that I wanted mm-hmm. I wanted to feel like I was chatting to someone I wanted an easy yeah. giggle I wanted an easy conversation and I think that's what this book like all the other ones do um and although it's not a book in essays it is chopped mm-hmm. up into periods of her life so it is quite mm-hmm. bite-sized in that way um and I definitely recommend it to anyone who is I think at this point I'm not sure maybe it's just me um hope it's not just me I think a lot of people are feeling about a bit insecure or nervous about their friendships or relationships um and I think that that this is a really good book to read at the moment because of that when we're going into this time of seeing lots of people again and relationships have changed over a year um so yeah that is my final recommendation that's exactly how I felt with that feeling of this is what teenage me thought my 20s would be like exactly I read it I guess I was maybe 24 when I read it mm. something like that mid 20s yeah. and um I just remember reading it and thinking I feel like this is meant to be relatable and I am so uncool yeah. <laughs> like I haven't done any of this stuff this is this is what love should have looked like in my 20s almost. Mm. I felt like I'd skip that and I remember um reading her is it an afterword or something you know like her sort of maybe addendum chapter maybe maybe for the paperback or something after it was published mm. and um it's about her maybe turning 30 something like yes that. Right, yeah. right, right and I remember reading that and being like oh here is the here is the bit I, I remember and recognize yeah. and um, reading that as a 24 year old <laughs> was quite <laughs> was quite funny of um her kind of accepting that relationships 
can still be strong even if they're not that kind of dramatic um intense impassioned like yeah her sort of talking about um part like not partying as much or going out as much I was like mm. oh. <laughs> that's, oh I understand that's that my, oh <laughs> I never yeah. had life but um I was really charmed by the way that she wrote at that point mm. have you read ghosts I have not no, I mean, oh, yeah I bought it and I was like I'm just not really in the mood for it yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it sounds bad I was just not ready for some sort of emotional um look at relationships and ghosting in the modern age I'm not I'm not yeah. there yet really. yeah I'm not I, I want brevity and lightless in, in my in my current reads at the moment yes. and I just don't think that's what <laughs> offered in ghosts although I've heard good things uh from yeah. it yeah um, but yeah I suppose I'm curious to to know whether it feels like it's more in the 20s section or in the 30s section if you see what yeah. I mean that's a good um, question yeah and, and I also wonder if it's got that same sort of humor that is obviously why you picked out everything I know mm. about love we'll just be asking the listener <laughs> <laughs> and they can sort of be answering in their own heads <laughs> yeah leave a comment on the podcast, yeah 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 the podcast, but... <laughs> in the comments <laughs> um Thank you so much. Thank you. Nice. Um, I'm really, I'm really glad to had some recommendations that are like warm. Because <laughs> I think sometimes there's this, I don't know, wit sometimes feeling like, oh, it needs to be kind of dry, wry, dull. Yeah. And it's yes. like, no, no, for God's sake. I just like, when do we laugh the most? It's when we're like chatting with a friend, right? And and I think it's just such a wonderful thing to be able to to read a book that kind of um, emulates that experience. And, um, and I, I think that these will all do that. So thank you. I'm so glad. I'll be honest. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. Like when you asked me on and I listened to your brilliant episode about um, poetry, it's like, gosh, I need to think of something really smart. Let me start reading some classics and think of something witty <laughs> and funny to tell. And I thought, no, like this is these are some books that actually did make me giggle this year. Um, and I hope they make someone else giggle this year if they pick them up after this. Um, so thank you for letting me share my very commercial <laughs> interpretation of a witlet. Um, <laughs> um, thanks so much for having me. I oh really, God, I really enjoyed pleasure. this. My pleasure. Thank you very much to Amy for joining me. Um, you can find out more about Bad Form on their website or on all the usual social medias. I've put some links in the podcast description in case you're feeling lazy. Their reviews and interviews and pieces are, are really brilliant and insightful um, and also beautifully designed. So yeah, obviously check them out. This episode's shout out thanks goes to Danny Edmonds. Um, she makes all sorts of great art and gifts at Danny Edmonds Artwork, so check her stuff out. She's very cool. <laughs> and um, thank you very much, humble listener, for listening. If you'd like to recommend a funny book or a guest for the pod, uh, I would love that. Please just message me on Twitter at Lily underscore Linden or on Instagram at Bookie McBookface, obviously. Please like the podcast and subscribe and give it 100 stars and all the rest of it. Um, tell any of your friends who might like more witty literature in their life. And yeah, I think that's it.